I'm Dennis Ferris, and this is the Limitless Energy Podcast. It is my privilege to welcome my guest today, Mr. Steve Cotton, CEO of Aquametals. Thank you for joining. Thanks for having me. So Aquametals is uh, in our space, in lithium-ion battery space, but you're on the recycling end of it. Um, and one thing I want to talk about is um, you guys started as a recycling company, but not in lithium. So let's go back to the beginning. Yeah, so uh, we founded the company in late 2014 and ultimately created a technology that we deployed right here in the Tahoe, Reno area. Called I forgot to mention you're local. Too, yeah, that's so. a good point. Yeah, we're right here in Tahoe, Reno. We weren't originally, though. We were actually based in California, in uh, Oakland, okay. uh, California. And so we developed this technology called aqua refining, which is a super clean way to recover metal from battery metals in particular. And we started with lead-acid batteries, and the reason we did that is because that was the, at the time, existing, rapidly growing, established battery industry, which is still there today, that um, is really reliant for the recycling on smelting. And smelting can sometimes rank in the top three most pollutive things that mankind the does in the planet. Smelting of lead-acid batteries, like globally, is just an awful thing, right? It is. It is. So and that's so that's not tip. That's not the typical lead-acid recycling method. That is the currently only method that's okay. commercially scaled at a grand level uh, for for the way that lead-acid batteries are recycled. So um, the bad news is that there's room for improvement in the way that lead-acid batteries are recycled. Um, the good news is there's a technology like aqua refining that we've developed that eliminates the need to do smelting and lets electrolytic and uh, recyclable, recyclable chemicals be able to, to recover those minerals without all the impacts on the environment. So that's how we started and mm -hmm. developed that technology and deployed that so right So that was here. developed in-house at Aquametals? It was, okay. yeah. yeah. And today there's about 74 patents globally for aqua refining suite of technologies. Okay, so when you're recycling lead-acid batteries, it's it's basically just the lead that you're extracting out of the, the system? Yeah, so unlike lithium batteries that have multiple metals that are in them, like the cobalt and the nickel and the lithium, of course, copper and others, uh, the lead-acid batteries primarily only have one metal that you're going after, uh, which is the lead itself. It's a single mineral recovery is the main target. There can be a little bit of copper... Uh, and some, some very small side streams, but it's really all about lead. Okay, so let's get into lithium then. Yeah. So you, you, what, why the transition to lithium? How did that come about? So we, we didn't name the company Aqua Metals uh, because we want, wanted to go after one metal. We knew that we were going to be building and building a suite of metals. So the Horizon 2, when we started the company, was hey, ultimately lithium batteries are going to be produced and, and uh, catch on, and, and EV revolution is coming. We knew that even in 2014. Uh, Second-generation Teslas were already out, and we had on our plate to find ways to extract in a multi-metal environment, which is much more complex and complicated than a single mineral environment like we were talking about earlier. So we had some side stream research and development that was happening, and some of the patents that we even prosecuted, which includes things like the way that we remove the copper uh, in the lead batteries to in introduce better purity to the lead for the lead batteries. We started with that and then worked our way through the nickel and the cobalt and the lithium, so et cetera. Th so this really started as, so you're in the lead acid recycling area, and in order to better purify the lead, you started working on different metals yes, at the same time. Yes, exactly. Okay. So, so that allowed us to, to really find a whole new market that is 
interesting because the, the lead acid battery market's mature. It's a $65 billion global industry already. And you know, if you drive down the road and look at every single car, it, believe it or not, including EVs, because the low voltage battery in EVs is a lead acid battery, typically, right. the 12 right. volt battery, they call it. And uh, there are a lot of them. And so that's a big industry. And it's a, it's a, it's a massive uh, set of infrastructure that's been built that's out there to make that loop close. Now, the good news about the lead acid battery industry that the smelters we can thank for, believe it or not, is that about 99% of lead acid batteries globally now are recycled. And that's where lithium has some catching up to do. Uh, whereas in the lithium world, it's about zero to two percent, I would say, of right. lithium batteries today are recycled. Well, the one percent that aren't recycled are, are terrible. Lead acid. That's why here yes. at Dragonfly Energy, we like to, uh, you know, our catchphrase is "lead is dead." We are trying to replace lead acid batteries specifically with lithium iron phosphate batteries. Yes. So that brings me to another point, which is. Typically, for lithium battery companies, they're trying to get to the nickel and the cobalt. Those are the, the high-value metals. Yes. So companies now – well, let's talk about recycling lithium. Let's yeah. just talk about what, what are the different ways and how does the aqua metals way fit into that matrix? Yeah, so there's really three ways to recycle lithium batteries that have been developed to date primarily. Um, one is called pyrometallurgy, also known as smelting. And specific to your question about lithium, the grand total of lithium that's recovered from the smelting process is zero. So the lithium gets burned and unfortunately emitted into the atmosphere. It, it okay. goes away uh, into the environment. And then it also, some of it ends up in what's a byproduct of solid waste called slag, uh, which you tap these furnaces and then you pull off what's called slag, which is an amalgam of materials that you can't really separate. And that's just landfilled? And that ends up being landfilled. Uh, and so there's no lithium recovery with the, the pyrometallurgical smelting method that's really been around since the Bronze Age. Uh, so that's why there's been uh, a technology that we've all heard of called hydrometallurgy, and which is like liquid chemistry, chemi chemical-based. And there's uh, some emerging players that are um, uh, working on hydrometallurgical recycling that are trying to commercialize and go through that process. And what that difference is, is uh, you bring in a bunch of chemicals, kind of like in the mining world, and then you put that on the urban ore instead of the mined ore, and you leach it out, and then you create a, a leachate and then try to go directly to what are called the powders. Uh, and so that uh, has its inherent set of costs because you have a lot of chemicals on the inbound that are toxic in the one-time use. And then on the back end of it, you have a lot of sodium sulfate, which is a byproduct of most hydrometallurgical processes. And that has to be either landfilled, or believe it or not, some companies have even publicly announced that they're going to put it into the ocean. Uh, and sodium, sodium sulfate is not a, a, a good waste stream, and it's costly, but it's also impactful to the environment. Right. And so those are the, the, the primary existing techniques. Now, the benefit of hydrometallurgy is you can recover the lithium and extract the lithium. So that's a great step forward. And we applaud all the companies that are working on that, the technology to do that. What's different about our method is it's more like electroplating connected to a hydrometallurgical process where we pull out the lithium and we recycle the chemicals that we use to do that. And then we selectively plate the cobalt and the nickel and the copper for those types of battery chemistries that are there. So how do you selectively plate something? So we have a technology that's part of aqua refining, um, the name of the box that does it, it, we call the aqualizer. 
And so it's kind of a play in words of the electrolyzer. It's the aqua metals electrolyzer, hence the aqualyzer. And what the aqualyzer has in it is a bunch of cells um, and, and plates. And those plates are um, working with the electrolyte that we get into there or the concentrates that we specifically send to each one. Like the cobalt one is di a little bit different than the nickel one, is a little bit different than the copper one. But there's still boxes that ultimately plate these metals. And then we can harvest those metals from that selective plating and they plate them uh, and drop out the impurities. So we ultimately end up with very high purity of uh, each of the metal types, also with a very high yield uh, mm -hmm. percentage. And that helps with the economics. And we know that we can make new lithium batteries out of metals because that's how we do it today. We mine the metals and refine uh, uh, those to the point where they're in metal form. And then we create the ability to, to go to battery precursors and ultimately cathode active material. So is it done sequentially, like you do first the nickel, then the cobalt? Or how yeah, so that? we do it in a certain order, and we kind of keep that a little bit of a, of a secret okay. in the order that we do it. Um, and uh, that is uh, an important aspect of, of our process, but it's all connected in a system uh, from end to end. So our input is what's called black mass. And the black mass is pre-ground up uh, uh, lithium ion batteries that have been, that looks a lot like a black sand, which is the amalgam of all that material. And then it goes through our system and we dissolve it. And then we, again, recycle the chemicals that we use to do some of that activity. And then we create the concentrates that head to the various cells that then plate out the various metals. And throughout that process, we're also natively producing lithium in the form of lithium hydroxide. Um, which, as you well know, is uh, an interesting um, uh, version of lithium as compared to lithium carbonate for a bunch of reasons. Right. Um, so this is unique that you are taking the batteries, getting not just the metals out of it, but also the lithium hydroxide out of it as well. And yes. So um, that's of interest to us, obviously, for a couple of reasons. We want we want a source of lithium, not just a mine source, but a recycled source of lithium. But also our chemistry, lithium iron phosphate, doesn't have nickel and cobalt in it. Correct. So if someone's smelting, are they going to get anything? Are they just getting iron, or what are they getting out of that? So what happens with lithium iron phosphate batteries today is um, there's less smelting of it, really, um, because there's, like you say, there's really not much valuable material other than the lithium. And we know that when you smelt it, you can't get the lithium. So what uh, happens is those batteries end up going into black mass producers that create the black mass that include the other chemistries. So there's you know, soon to be household terms like NMC and all the various you know, nickel, manganese, cobalt, and all the other various battery chemistries. And they will take the, um, the LFP batteries, the, the lithium iron phosphate, crush them, and put that material into the black mass that then just gets sent out to recover the nickel and the cobalt through the smelting process or through other hydrometallurgical processes. So it's in a way a diluting factor right. of the um, more uh, other mineral rich types of batteries. I guess you still get the copper out of it. and the Some copper on the front it. end, mm -hmm. correct, because because there's there's physical copper that can be pulled out um, mm -hmm. during the crushing and separation process. Mm -hmm. And there's some more copper that's in that black mass that can be recovered by some of these alternative processes. We recover all of it mm -hmm. uh, um, with from the black mass that, that we get. But that's really important, right, because Ultimately, um, uh, you have to be able to close the loop with these lithium batteries, and we could talk a little bit about the percentage of, of, of material that's in new batteries versus old, uh, old ones, uh, from uh, the mined material versus from old batteries. And that, that is a really important aspect 
um, of uh, the closed loop and the ability to recover minerals like mm -hmm. that. And with our method, being able to recover the lithium, it means we can make economics out of recovering lithium iron phosphate batteries right. and close that loop. Well, let's talk about closing the loop and vertical integration in the state of Nevada. That's There's yeah. been a lot of talk, of course, here in the state. The, the lithium is here, but now a lot of us in the value chain ha have, have moved here. And I personally yeah. moved here 10 years ago because, among other reasons, there's a lot of lithium in the ground here. Yeah, so sure. why did you relocate from California? So um, we moved the company here uh, to the Tahoe Reno area because it was the uh, most sensible industrial center, kind of the up and coming uh, uh, industrial center really in the world, I would say. You know, you drive out there and you see the earth movers and you see all these high tech companies building processes. And um, uh, the county, uh, Story County, has all the same rules with the EPA and um, all the various regulating authorities. But they're very pro-business and very supportive of building infrastructure and creating jobs in this area. And so we um, originally went to the EPA when we invented the Ledoc refining because um, the company, remember, was originally founded in California. And they even suggested to us, you might want to look at other states other than California because you can move more quickly. And uh, you might even want to consider Nevada. Actually, yeah, you moved to Nevada as a lead refiner. We did. Okay. We did. So it was not a lithium. At that oil. time, yeah. Okay. It was on the horizon to plan, but our actual activities were in the lead space at the time, developing that technology. Okay, that's Which is now something that we license, by mm -hmm. the way. We could talk about that, too. Okay. Um, so the gigafactor was going up right around the same time? Or? Yeah, really right around the same time. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That wasn't, that was an exciting time for Reno, yeah. of course. Cause you know, <clears throat> I, I remember vividly when Tesla was looking around and I think they settled on four different States and Nevada, Northern Nevada was in the running and yeah, it was, a uh, it was pretty mind blowing when they decided to set up here for me. I had been here for a couple of years. So I was like, yeah. all right, finally we're, we're on the map here. This is going to be the center of lithium. Yeah, and it really it really was a key step, I think, to make um, Nevada the center of lithium. It was. We needed a big fish here. And it's really yeah. the only state that has like all of the pieces of the ecosystem, the cell manufacturing, the recycling, the mining, et cetera, mm -hmm. that closes that loop. And so that's what puts Nevada in a very unique situation and opportunity to really become, you know, it's called the silver state, mm -hmm. uh, but it can also be called the lithium state. It is now, yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. Um, okay, well, licensing. What's, you're planning to license the, the lead refining business. Then. Exactly. So um, we productized from our learnings of operating and created a second and even third iteration of, uh, iteration of the uh, product and really productized our, our solution. And, and our first licensee is a deployment that we put in Taiwan. So there's right now a world-class demonstration facility showing the benefits of lead oak refining um, sitting in, in Taiwan. And that's an interesting location because that's where a lot of the growth in the lead acid battery industry still is because there's more up and coming um, economies that are there putting more cars on the road, inclusive of EVs, whereas the U.S. is a little flatter. And so we see opportunity for uptake on this new technology there. And we chose the path of being a technology licensor and equipment supplier and a, and a, and a maintenance and support kind of provider uh, as an enabler and trying to get the existing lead acid industry to upgrade and capacitize with this new, newer, better way of doing things. Uh, but in the meantime, um, we're looking at the lead industry, I'm sorry, the lithium industry 
uh, differently. And the, one of the reasons for that is if you look at the value of lead and the cost of lead, let's talk about the cost of these metals, you know, that's about $1,700 to $2,000 a ton. And if you look in the world of lithium, lithium hydroxide right now is varying between $60,000 and $80,000 a it ton. It was like 10000 a year ago. Or yeah, years ago. yeah. yeah. So and so it's hmm. volatile. Mm -hmm. And there's there's um, lots of interesting debate. Uh, that'd be a whole subject for a whole other podcast is um, where do we think that the lithium prices are going in the future? Right. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, we, of course, hope they go up because we produce the material. And we hope you they hope they go down. They go down. <laughs> <laughs> so it's natural. Well, what's driving that is, you know, obviously you've got this incredible demand that's being forecast if every electric vehicle, if every vehicle becomes electric. Yeah. Um, not sure how feasible that is. I, I personally, my personal opinion, I don't know how wise that is because we want to get some of the lithium and put it on the grid because we don't want to stress the grid too much that everyone has an electric car that are that's charging off the grid. But anyway, I've been blabbing about that for a long time. Yeah, and I, I agree with you on that, that um, there's a certain level of penetration that EVs can make almost even neighborhood specific before there's stresses that are put on the grid if everybody's trying to charge their car at the same time. And if they have more renewable energy source and local power generation and local energy storage to supplement that, um, that, that is really the yin and yang of electrification of the world. Uh, mm -hmm. And so that's a really important aspect of the adoption of EVs is what is the success and adoption going to be of home energy storage systems right. and, and, you know, corporate yeah. and, you know, data centers and all those types of applications. Yeah. So some of that lithium has got to go on the grid. Oh, some yeah. Some of it, uh, if there's, I mean, other things can go on the grid too, but, you know, our view, of course, is that we need a lot more lithium to be distributed on the grid in people's homes and in buildings. So yeah, absolutely. You know, that's uh, yeah. Well, you know, I don't, I need to go there today, but it, yeah. well, and other buildings, uh, which is an important market, even for you guys, which is the data center space. Sure. And you and I have yeah. talked about this mm -hmm. and um, I've, I spent a lot of time because with the data center operators, cause that's where I came from before right. aqua metals was yeah. the data center world. And what's interesting there is if you think of a data center, think of it like a big gigantic laptop. You've got power coming in, you've got the computing power, and you've got a battery that sits there. Um, in the case of a laptop, that happens to be a lithium battery. And uh, then you've got, uh, in a data center, big, um, massive generators, diesel generators that back up the power. So when the power goes out at the utility, it swings through that battery bank and then goes to the generators. The first generation of data center deployment, and these are hundreds of megawatts sometimes, these very large ones, so like almost the size of a town or a, even a small city, is the power consumption that a data center can consume. And that energy storage um, in the battery was just enough to be able to start the generators up, somewhere between one minute, maybe as many as eight minutes. Mm -hmm. And if you couldn't get those generators started, then you would lose everything. Uh, so they've, they've started by deploying lead-acid battery systems, uh, and then they've migrated a lot of them to lithium-based systems because they can get more runtime, they have more power density, and all those benefits that you have of lithium. Uh, but then the diesel generators are still there. The uh, in, in, environmental regulators like less and less megawatts of diesel generators running all the time. So now the data center operators are looking at replacing those diesel generators with massive battery farms. So then they have hours instead of minutes of runtime in the event that there's a utility outage. And that is a space that I believe is where a lot of the deployment of stationary energy storage is going to end up. Yeah, I think you're right. And uh, there's just a push to replace diesel and, you know, gas burning everywhere. Right. And that's been 
of course, a big boon for us, but the data center market is something that, that we're, we're looking at pretty seriously. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. So your, your background is in data centers. So how, yeah. Explain how you went from there to you know, lead refining anyway. Yeah, so um, my company uh, that I uh, built up in the past was called Data Power Monitoring Corporation and then Intellibat. And then ultimately we merged those two brands into a rebrand called Canera, like the canary in the coal mine. What we provided was battery monitoring systems on lead acid batteries for all these data centers. And then we would monitor those batteries for reliability so we would know that they would be work able to work. Because if you have like 240 batteries in a string, um, lead acid batteries fail as an open circuit. And you have you really have one bad battery, you have no no battery backup. So we provided that monitoring and the battery systems. And so because of that, when we asset managed the end of life of those gigantic, you know, kilotons of these battery systems, we would send those off to smelters. And I started touring smelters saying, well, I want to learn more about where these are going and how they're being recycled. Domestic smelters? Uh, domestic and, and even international. Uh, and uh, it's it can be appalling, some of these places that you see that, you know, the worker environment is very challenging you, you taste the lead on your tongue yeah you, you could potentially <laughs> and and there's lead in the air concerns right. for worker safety and and uh, people bringing lead home there's lots of things that have been done to mitigate that but at best it's a it's a massive challenge and it's kind of a dirty business um, but at least you're recycling and so that's the good news but the bad news is you, you can't just say oh we're recycling we got it all wrapped up there's better ways to recycle and then when i saw the aqua refining technology um, uh, that the founders had developed, I uh, chose to actually invest in the company and then ultimately join the company at the time as the chief commercial officer, uh, and then um, ultimately uh, became the president and CEO. Got it, okay, so who, who were the founders of? So the founders of Aqua Metals um, uh, developed um, bipolar lead acid battery technologies, which is another way of uh, putting together lead acid batteries, and mm -hmm. they had a couple of exits there. They invented flow battery systems, which you might have heard of. Yeah, lithium which are very flow giant. systems, yeah. Yeah, so there, there's even lithium flow batteries, mm -hmm. and there's even other chemistries. There's that, a, yeah, sure. That, all yeah. kinds of interesting mm -hmm. battery So they, they were the inventors of the flow battery as well? The uh, yeah, well. of one of the particular main kinds of flow okay. batteries. And so they had a lot of experience with batteries, and, and they also had experience with environmental mitigation mm -hmm. of lead in, in uh, environments where lead needed to be removed from things like sand. Mm -hmm. Think of things like uh, um, after World War II, all those lead-laden boats that went out to witness nuclear bombs getting blown off, uh, uh, they, they had radioactivity, and then they would wash the lead off, and it would end up in some sand somewhere, and let's go do an environmental mitigation. And they got the idea, well, wait a minute, that technology for the lead business could really make a difference and eliminate the need for smelting. Mm -hmm. And that was really the inspiration to create aqua metals to begin with, which is okay. really interesting. And now you're doing it all over again for lithium batteries. Yeah, exactly. And nice. it, But what's different is with lithium batteries, we're building an industry from the ground up. And part of our core mission is to make sure that the world understands that we have a chance to, as we electrify the world, to build all this lithium recycling infrastructure that's going to be ultimately way bigger than even today's lead recycling infrastructure the right way. Because if we don't build it the right way and we build it the wrong way, like smelting and other types of processes that have massive environmental impact, then we will have moved the problem from fossil fuels to electrification. Mm -hmm. We will not have solved the problem. Mm -hmm. 
And so what we're after is making sure that the way that these minerals, once they're pulled out of the earth, can be used over and over and over again is a clean methodology. So we've actually solved towards global climate change and carbonization, and our process helps to really decarbonize the world, as do EVs, as do um, uh, battery energy storage systems, mm -hmm. particularly those that are connected to sustainable clean energy sources. And so that's what we're really all about is let's build an industry from the ground up that that is built to last and and, and solves problems. Well, I love it. Yeah. You you sound like a chemist or or an engineer. What what's your background? IT. IT. Okay. <laughs> okay, IT so, and then you invested and then you learned. Yeah, so IT that. way back when uh, too many years ago to count at this point. Uh, management information systems. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, I ultimately was born I was born and bred in Silicon Valley and um, uh, grew up there and did high tech uh, for, for many years, but, but lots with systems, voicemail systems, messaging systems. So I always really valued the hardware. I'm much more of a hardware and a systems person than a, than a software person. Mm -hmm. And so the, the act of recycling is really, uh, there's a lot of software, believe it or not, and, and firmware and, and um, uh, remote monitoring things uh, that are associated with it, as well as physical pieces of equipment. And so that's what keeps me interested, is, mm -hmm. uh, is the integration of all these technologies to really solve big problems. Yeah, it's funny as a battery company how we find ourselves going in the, the data and monitoring direction as well. You know? yeah. it's, uh, everybody wants to know what's happening inside the battery. And of course, that becomes a lot more important with larger systems, data center systems. So, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Knowing, knowing, like batteries are people almost, like mm -hmm. they're all patients in an ICU. And uh, you need to monitor each one of those cells and each one of those batteries to know its state of health and the trend of its state of health at all times. Well, ours are not patients in the ICU. Ours are quite healthy, as yeah, it turns out. Yeah, to begin out. with. But we do want to, we prefer, <laughs> the lead ones we might be more to, in the ICU. Ours is more of a wellness program. So. I like that. <laughs> so, But anyway, um, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Steve. And I know you didn't have to drive far, so we might have to do this again. Yeah, it'd be uh, easy. Yeah, absolutely. So... Um, I look forward to the next time. Yeah, me too. Lots more to talk about. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that's going to do it for today's episode. Be sure to subscribe to the Limitless Energy Podcast on any of your favorite podcast platforms.